You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always typical idea today's show we're going to be doing the 1981 undisputed classic friday the 13th part two doodly do doodly do well we already did part one and our my, my big idea was to do a two and four for <laughs> halloween <laughs> two and four for halloween uh that's true this is our big um, Halloween special. We're going to be doing two films this month that we do every month of October where we tackle one of the biggies, one of the biggies that we originally, when we were young and naive, said that we would never do. We would never tackle the biggest of the big horror films and franchises. With everything's being said, there's hours-long documentaries on this shit. Stacks of books taller than Wes. Taller than me, which I'm a tall boy. So I'm a fucking tree person. <laughs> Regardless of all of that, it, it kind of came about that, you know, we could do commentary tracks, which is our authentic, real-time reactions to these classic films that we watched as young children that we've seen a million times that you, dear listeners, have seen a million times. And it's like you guys, one shot can see what it's like to sit with us while we actually watch a movie. And if you've never watched it before, then it's a great opportunity, I think, to queue up um, a commentary track that isn't as lame as the other commentary tracks. Because we're going to really try to not leave big, big chunks of silence and just go, oh, yeah, man, I love this shit. Oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You know, it's not going to be like that. We're pretty, We're pretty good at this. Now that I've warmed up to the whole idea of a fucking commentary track. Lydia does not like doing these. I can't stress that enough. Neither can I. And and I tricked her, tricked her gang, tricked her into doing this by starting off with her favorite film, Halloween 2. Because <laughs> I was going to say Halloween, that's a lie. But I wanted to do Halloween. And so instead of doing a one-time commentary track special, I was like, well, let's always just do two. Yeah, so here we are. We're not going to do two and four, even though four is a favorite. Four is going to come later, maybe for a West birthday. Or yeah. We, just a, when there's Friday the 13th that happen through the year, not always on Halloween or even in October or near October. Mm-hmm. So it'll be coming up eventually mm-hmm. really well. Th- this, uh, you made a good point when we were originally talking about about this you know like this is really a summertime franchise but people generally speaking watch these films the most during the month of october because that's when all of the cable stations used to play them ad nauseum you would watch them on repeat constantly um you know fear fest and all that kind of stuff that that uh scream network and yeah. dusk yeah 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 and and so when we were doing these it seemed to make a lot of sense but yes we were going to do two and uh four because those respectively are some of our personal favorites but then what it could, the, friday the 13th got off to a weird start because we did a commentary track for the first one for my birthday one of my birthday episodes yep and since my birthday is in the stinky heart of july which is way more cujo weather if you ask me <laughs> But regardless, um, we did it then, and then you made the 
hilarious point that I never even thought of because I was like, yeah, let's do two and four because that's something I think you can both agree on. And then Lydia's like, but people are going to be asking, what about three? So now we're going to stop making it all crazy because then the next time we did it, what will we do? Like three and five? It gets, yeah, it gets I know, right? Really, what the fuck and why? It gets really weird. It's, it's a nice um, way to celebrate too because Friday the 13th is near and dear to many horror fans' hearts. This is our Halloween specials. We've had to double up on a lot of episodes. So a lot of the stuff you've been listening to lately is canned because... I, I fucked up and decided to move and we had to fucking make all sorts of episodes before this big move because it was a rather big move. Yeah. Uh, I literally moved down the road, so that's not so big. <laughs> but my husband, Chris, from Bind Torture Cast, who recorded his first episode of Bind Torture Cast in the new house last night, he had to move from the U.S., of course. If anyone's been keen listening to both podcasts, they've got these little snapshots here and there because we're not very uh, personable or open people usually. No, but we yeah. do drop nuggets if you're interested in that kind of shit yeah. about our personal lives. And that is the big, big move. And it's been wonderful and smooth because we're both so anal about planning shit. True. So it went very, very well. And now... By the time you hear this, we're going to be back on track recording not so many canned episodes. Chris has been pretty much on track with Bind Torture Cast because he's way far better planner than I am. <laughs> and so, yeah, you shouldn't notice too much of a gap. And we did have a tornado, six fucking tornadoes, as a matter of fact. Oh so if God. something would have been interrupting the show... That did last weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a little buck wild around here, uh, but... We're back on track now. Uh, Chris is here. It was funny that you you were saying that, oh, we're so anal, because I was literally about to interject with how laid back I find Chris. But <laughs> but uh, I, I suppose when you're when you you could have the air of calm and being laid back when you when you know that you've planned for every eventuality. That's our clever facade. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we're both really good at that actually. He's way better at it. That's all. Oh, uh, okay. I'm I'm laid back to the point in which I only realize I'm screwed when it's too late to do anything to stop it. True. True. <laughs> so, yeah. So, this is our first episode in the new house. It might sound different. We don't know. And it's going to sound different because it's a commentary track. We're not sitting in our regular chairs. Yeah, we're not doing it the old-fashioned way. We're doing it the commentary track way. And I, But this, this place has got a good vibe. This is very... It's got a good ambiance. It's got a lot of horror accoutrement. I feel steeped in my hobby. There may not be jingle cat noises that we'll have to edit out, but there may be clicky claw dog noises. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. They're cute puppers, though. Yeah, they sure are. They sure are. And so are we. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Liz, because when it comes to the Friday the 13th franchise, everybody knows how I saw these movies. Everybody knows. I'm the famous basement of Altavista Drive. But I don't know how you saw Friday the 13th Part 2. Friday the 13th Part 2. I This I watched at home on my own accord because Friday the 13th Part 1 I'd watched at the Gaggle of Girls. It's a pretty rare occurrence really for me. There's maybe, maybe 15 horror movies out of all the horror movies I've ever seen that I watched with a group of people as an event thing. Usually sleepovers, birthdays. And I was very, very young because every time we had a birthday sleepover, I'm one of my little friends. Um, mostly Terry and Christina and Sabrina. 
um, the four of us would watch horror movies and usually rent like three of the fucking things. So, you know, there's a very small clutch of films. I watched the first Friday the 13th with them and then was like, well, I guess I better watch as many as I can now and went shortly thereafter and rented this and watched it at home and really liked the Jason reintroduction mm. of this particular film that stuck with me very, very much. So that was that. I watched it um, in my grandmother's farmhouse, VHS mm. rental. Very, very nice. You know, I was seeing on the on, on the Twitterscape uh, a clip from an old newscast from back in the 80s about something that the kids were doing. Kids were doing lids called splatter parties. Oh. Splatter parties in which a bunch of uh, young kids would get together unbeknownst to their parents about the kinds of films that they were watching. And they would watch the most obscene horror films that they could finally uh, get their mitts on. And, and there was clips from like Evil Dead. And, and someone even uh, mentioned pieces, I believe, in the, in, oh. the, in the piece. And, and then they just interviewed these like 10, 11, 12, 13 year old kids about, why do you watch these movies together? You, you, you were one of I the. were one of them. And that's part of like Amy Jane Vosper, um, almost doctor. I think soon, maybe she could soon. already be a doctor, <laughs> Amy Jane Bosper. Um, she's been studying this and how it was like this myth that it was boys all along. And so many girls had this experience or would do that with their mothers. Mm-hmm. Now, later on in life, uh, as an adult, I decided to sort of rekindle that in a way. Um, a lot of times I didn't drink very much and rarely drank to hangover because I'd get like alcohol poisoning hangovers, if any at all. But my friends were always hungover. And sometimes I'd be like, hey, come over and have breakfast. We'll have a Splatterfest breakfast. And that's what I would call it. Oh. Watch a couple horror movies, eat some scrambled eggs. You know, it was nice. Um, and that was like in my 30s. So same sort of thing. We're kindling that idea of a Splatterfest breakfast. Or as me and Chris call it now, Tuesday evening. <laughs> That's really, really great. I saw Friday the 13th uh, Part 2. Here's here's a fun fact that you guys might not know. It was the first Friday the 13th of all of them that I saw. Oh. But not all of the film. I caught the ending. Mm. And, and all I remember thinking about the time was... In my young mind, the the iconography of this franchise is Jason Voorhees wearing a hockey mask. And so Jason Voorhees... Wearing a sack on his head. Wearing a bag on his head. Um, is not part of what I recognized as Jason. And so I remember being very young and thinking, well, why is he not wearing the, the hockey mask? I thought to myself. And I distinctly remember that. And it's not until, uh, you know, spoilers, you know, they, they unmask him. We don't see anything. And then they walk out of the room and then there's, there's one more scare, but, um, that was it. That was what I saw, and it wasn't until, uh, like I had mentioned in the first Friday the 13th commentary track video, or uh, podcast that we did, this huge marathon that took place over a course of a couple of weeks that I finally saw two in its entirety. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and, and so that, that is like my introduction to really to this entire franchise is through this. Cool. Yeah. It's, I, it's a pretty cool introduction, I think. But although you were a little, like, the, the franchise was a little older by the time you were watching them. So, yeah, Jason had a machete and a hockey mask. God damn it. Yeah. When I was old enough, I, like, listen, when I was 
in and around the age where you're kind of like cognitive of things and you know what Jason is, it was Jason goes to hell. That was the, it was mm. the, the fucking so ninth, so the ninth one in which if you ever want to hear me yell about a movie, listen to our cabin in the woods episode. I think that rants on that one, mm-hmm. but um, if you, yeah, if you want to hear me yell, um, but yeah, so that, that was, that was what it was. And so not only was the, the, the in my mind, Jason Voorhees is a dude in a hockey mask, but it had been that way for years. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, I grew up with Jason being the boy in the lake, which is a, a nice difference to see him all growing up. But to have met him only all growing up at first and have to go back and revisit, I think, is fascinating. Two different ways to approach Jason mentally. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time in which the, the, the franchise is really trying to jury rig a campfire story, as you, as you will say. Uh, into something that's supposed to span 12 movies, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, 11, 13. technically, and... Coming up. Oh, com- coming up, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, when you when you have that character who is dead as can be in the first film, uh, and, and by all, you know, Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham both agree on that point, one of the few things they do agree on, uh, is that Jason Voorhees, Voorhees was dead, and now all of a sudden he's an adult, and... Maybe alive? Hard to say, because certainly that's not what it becomes. But this is what I love about 2 and why 2 has stuck with me so well over the years is because as much as I love zombie Jason and just standing there while he gets pummeled with bullets and knives and rockets and it does nothing to him, we never see Jason act in this film quite like this ever again. Because he still comes across as a mortal man in this yeah. movie, yeah. and a, a, a hardy, a hardy man, but a mortal one. And yes, in three he's still kind of ginger, and up until four, even though four he started. By the time you get to four, he is taking insane amounts of damage that would put a stop to anybody. Uh, but two, he really still comes. He's faster, leaner, just more squirrely around getting stabbed it's just so fucking interesting plus he it seems plausible i could imagine a sack boy like this coming at me yeah i totally could too and he kind of works well with the uh texarkana moonlight murders maybe it's the same dude you never know right he just decided one of these days he's like you know what i don't need the two eye holes i just (laughs) i just want the one (laughs) different sack different city different sack Different city, different sack. If Friday the 13th Part 2 was really the town that uh, dreaded sundown to, I would fucking pay anything for that to be <laughs> the tagline for it. That would be awesome. Different, <laughs> different, different city, different sack. <laughs> Jason on the move. <laughs> so, okay, this is not a, co- a comedy podcast, seriously. I'm putting my foot down on it right now. Sorry. Wild boars. <laughs> People love people love when you get silly, um, but what is not silly is the serious. Why am I laughing? The seriousness of the commentary track. So what we are going to do, if you guys are not aware, is Lindsay and I are going to watch the movie. Uh, you're not going to hear it because we're going to be watching it with the sound off, uh, so we don't get sued. And we're going to give you a numbered countdown. And when I say go, Lydia hits the play button, and we're off and running. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. We sure are. We'll let you know when that little Paramount logo comes up so you can cue it up and make sure. And you'll probably know by our exclamations of like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you're out of sync. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to give him a motherfucking countdown? <laughs> yeah, I'll give him a motherfucking countdown. And three, two, one, go. We're off and running. The very grainy, the very grainy Paramount logo. It doesn't matter how much Blu-ray player we throw at it. It is a grainy Paramount logo. <laughs> a Gulf Western company. I wouldn't want it any other way. The grain lets you know that it's good. Steve Miner in. Sean Cunningham out. Cunningham. <laughs> itsy Bitsy Spider. There was a news report of a Itsy Bitsy Spider being played over loudspeakers and haunting a woman because it would go off randomly some several times a night. Turned out it was a theft deterrent at a place where the spiders themselves were crawling over the security cameras. It's crazy to me that you would have this much whimsy with puddles, but then you realize, oh, wait, that isn't Jason. It's a, it's, it, it's, it's a young lad. Oh, there we go. Yeah, because Jason doesn't wear boots like that. He wears he, boots like this. He does wear dad jeans, though. Very faded, like a robin's egg, jeans. That was what was plentiful. Even yeah. my mother worked in a Lee jeans factory sewing up buttons. And I bet you those are Lee's, not Levi's. Oh, you think so? I think so. They have extra dad quality to them oh yeah oh yeah i love how the heels are just uh scuffed just so you know what i mean well dungarees at the time were still not permitted in the workplace in a school setting so it still was like a rebellion thing to wear jeans so that could be part of it you know um alice is uh gets a raw deal in this opening sequence but not so much by the fact that she's going to get killed it's this awful Awful outfit she's wearing. What's wrong with her outfit? Green overalls on a green turtleneck. Nothing wrong with that. This is a... um, These flashback sequences get more heinous in the first couple of Friday the 13th because they keep going back to all the things that happened in the previous films, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because the frequency in which these films were coming out for a time. Like back in the day... uh, Back in the day, I guess it's not back in the day, but years ago, it was like every year a Saw movie was coming out, right? It mm-hmm. was like this. Like, like there was a time where almost every year a Friday the 13th movie was coming out. And don't tell me Saw isn't full of fucking flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> they even retcon with their own flashbacks. They're like, no, this is what really happened in this flashback. But this is... You know, they never deviated from this with the exception of the fact that we're led to believe that Betsy Palmer, poor Mrs. Voorhees, is actually, instead of a really uh, great mother who loves her son so much that she kills for him, to kind of a negligent mother who doesn't realize that (laughs) her son's been alive in the woods for like 35 years. I mean, you know, kids get up to stuff. You know, you can't keep your paw on them all the time. Keep them under your thumb, so to speak. So she continued working at the camp all this time, too, and didn't notice them. It's great. <laughs> Adrian King uh, complained the, throughout this whole, uh, the film process. She was only on this film for a day, but she complained that um, she wasn't given a script. Like, this was all ad-libbed. Really? But yeah. Everything from her writhing on the bed to the phone conversation. 
she's just you know she's like Bob Newhart. She's just like doing a phone bit with no one on the other end. Like that's literally what she was told to do. Just like you know whatever. Um, and weird that it didn't really look believable, but yeah, I think she did fine. I think that uh, Adrian King is a really uh, good actress. I really wish that she was in more stuff, considering how y- young she is. Like she's younger than uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was in uh, Halloween 1978. So, and she does a, a really uh, great job. But um, yeah, like they really, really give you the whole sequence. Like they may as well just say, "Hang on a sec before we start Friday the 13th. Part two, let's just go ahead and show you the last 10 minutes of the first film. But this is a really great sequence. I've I was going to say, it's not this. bad to see. I mean, I'm enjoying watching it, that's for sure. Yeah. This, like, always like the smacking of the head into the sand. Like it's going to do any damage. <laughs> I know, right? Well, they tried, you know, and I'm sure they're not used to balls out fighting either. So they did a pretty good job for That's true. I think that anyone really could have gotten the the drop on Betsy Palmer if she. Uh, th- that's why like Jason and the Friday the Thirteenth franchises have such a history of uh, offing everyone so quickly because if there's an actual scuffle, people kind of get the better of them. It's not until like Jason becomes like this immortal zombie that people actually can't fight back in any way, shape, or form. It just becomes like trying to defeat a video game boss. Well, he's almost got the power of Michael Myers. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he's. I think he's stronger than Michael Myers. I don't want to get into a versus debate at it's, all. It's hard but. to say. I, you know what I will say definitively about the the Michael Myers thing versus anything else. He is the most inscrutable in terms of a slasher because people know definitively what Freddy Krueger is, definitively what Jason Voorhees is. People are just like, oh, he's a zombie guy. Like he's this immoral zombie guy. Yeah. But no one quite. It's abstract to call the shape anything other than pure and simply evil. And so he is he is the the, the true boogeyman in the in the closet. Uh but um no yeah, Jason uh we've talked about this. I know in some of our uh beer swelling days, like when we were talking about horror before we decided maybe this should be a podcast, um we talked about how um you know I believe at the very least that Jason really is dead. He died years ago and he has come back as as this manifestation of his vengeance for his mother and for what was done to him and he's a ghost in a meat golem that's what yeah. he is like yeah. really truly which um, sounds so much better than zombie too a ghost in a meat golem which you could say that that's like would, zombies don't have any soul to them jason obviously does yeah exactly and i think that um as weird as jason takes manhattan is that is what that movie t- reveals as far as i'm concerned that toxic waste burns away the 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 physical form in which Jason has used to enact his revenge, and all that's left is the spirit of the boy that died. Um, so, like, even up to this point, I feel like he's just got his meat body. So he's he's just like it's still a good meat body. It's still pretty much together. It's still you know? a good meat body. <laughs> so now, joining us is Friday Thirteenth Part Two. Holy crap! Like, I, I was really, I'm always shocked about how long that whole sequences but yeah everything this entire phone conversation no script she's just ad-libbing and she doesn't do a bad job that outfit though i don't mean to become like that outfit what what are you talking about but i just have always thought it was like just so not flattering that's the sort of outfit that would have me running for the sears catalog when i was a kid oh yeah <laughs> green plaid jumper and a green sweater i say 
at least she's got the 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 pattern on planes it's not pattern on pattern right pattern on pattern would be just a little bit too insane i mean there's enough going here with the setting in the house you don't need any more insanity although black on black never hurt that would Mm. fit in this room quite nicely too this is a nice touch i do like this bit of dialogue i mean even more so that i know that um uh miss king is is doing this all on her own, but this idea of her like trying to put her life back together, this is a person that's dealing with what happened to her. She's not comatose. She's not scared of her own shadow. She is, she's like living on her own. And yeah. even, even her own mother says, don't like, come on. Like she's, you can imagine what her mother's probably saying, right? Uh, you, you, you know, you could be with us and we can take care of you or whatever have you. And she's not having it. Like, are you sure you're going to be Okay. Well, mm-hmm. looking at these pictures she's drawing, I don't know. I, I don't feel know. like I feel like her art has diminished since the last film. The first uh, the first sketch that she does uh, of her uh, uh, her dearly departed boss was actually pretty good. She does got a lot of old lady furniture and like quilts and stuff like that. It's very campy, um, not campy as camp like that was the wrong word to use it, but it reminds me a lot of a camp setting. There's a lot of wood going on. There's a lot of knickknackery, um, mm-hmm. shelves of old books, the sort of things that you would more readily see at your cottage than you would yeah. see in your home. So it is very cottagey. So yeah. it's like, she's left a little piece of her yeah. back on Crystal she's like She's like, in a way I'm always kind of at the cottage. Uh, no, but you're right. Like cottages really are certainly mine was, or is a, a refuge of hand-me-downs and of uh, just like forgotten furniture and, and stuff. It's just like, well, we could throw this out or we could just put it in the cottage. Like that's where you get this eclectic idea. There was a mini shower scene teaser there. I like that. Got point of view, almost killer point of view that you would think, but no, it's just following camera. Mm-hmm. Following camera to show her interrupted nature and how she towels her face off incessantly for those first few minutes. <laughs> yeah, but something is afoot. Something is afoot. And I, and I, you're right. Like it is, I, I've never really given that a lot, as much credence, but you know, you putting it in that framework is actually pretty cool the way that. First of all, the fact that her front door wasn't locked anyways, and she wanted to go have a shower. She's she's a single person living on her own in, in the mean streets. Like, did you see that boy playing in the puddles earlier? Oh, yeah. Hoodlum. Exactly. Next, it up. Yeah, exactly. The gang violence, whatever have you. I think he was wearing Asics. How far away do you think that she's living right now? Because, I mean, Jason walks here. <laughs> Well, just like in Kaiko versus Sadako, it doesn't matter how far you are from the well to the seaside or from the well to downtown Tokyo. It doesn't matter how far you are from Camp Crystal Lake. Isn't every camp just kind of a Camp Crystal Lake anyway? Every camp has a Crystal Lake, I guess. Yeah, or something. (laughs) Um, Probably not too far. I mean, are we pretending it's all just happening in New Jersey? I mean, it's not that big of a state. No, it's not that big of a state. You could, you know, a, a, a guy who's determined. And th- by the way, this is back in the day. Like, he, it's not like he could look Alice up on LinkedIn. He can't. Uh, he can't Google Maps this or whatever. Ice pick's a weird thing to just have hanging around. I mean, not really in a full functioning kitchen. She seems to have a lot of kitcheny accoutrement. She's got all kinds of kitchen shit going on and breakfast cereal and Pringles. So like Tabasco. <laughs> like, this, is, this is the part of the movie in which Lydia just like <laughs> they, they hammer horror they fucking 
Like, if you ever are, like, not convinced that they just threw that poor cat through that window. They literally threw that poor cat through that poor window. And the cat looks kind of stressed out, too. But it is rainy outside. Who knows? Maybe maybe it all fits. But, yeah, the cat was definitely launched through the window. Yeah. But that is a little homage to uh, Hammer Horror. That isn't... Mm. That's a bit of an homage to the... the, um, movie we just saw Friday the 13th part one yeah yeah absolutely I, I loved this ice pick scene uh, as a kid this this first I also like that that shot of uh, Jason just having the the presence of mind to be like oh I'm taking the kettle off um, that head probably made by uh, Stan Winston before he left the project oh really mm, very early stages uh, he was there before he eventually uh, there was a conflict and he had to leave yeah but um, so I I'm, I'm pretty sure the head is what Stan Winston did before he left okay okay nice mm-hmm. job nice yeah, job yeah very cool the uh, the opening sequence of this film uh, with the classic thirteen going towards uh, the screen in the first one you have broken glass and this one no it always reminds me of the insanely in my opinion terrible trailers that the first two of these films have like I love horror movie trailers and I always like to check them out I do not need to check out the trailers for Friday the Thirteenth Part One and Two anymore I've seen them to death and I can't stand this like one, two, three, four, just and they keep doing it. The second trailer is almost exactly the same. No, for the time, it was kind of creative, though. It was Jeez, stark. Like, it was eye-catching. It got yeah. your attention. It was foreboding. For the I, time, it worked. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen. Clearly, this this movie was not a big of a success, a success as the first Friday the Thirteenth, but it, that by no means. Uh, means that it was not uh, massively successful. Oh, completely. But, I mean, you go back and look at the Maximum Overdrive um, trailer now, and it's laughable. But at the time, same sort of thing. Very cutting edge, very scary, very eye-catching, made you need to see this film. Yeah, it's true. Victor Miller out, too. Uh, Ron Kurtz in for the script. Um, Building upon uh, what was put in originally. This opening sequence, uh, the second sequence, where they're, uh, Jeff, I believe, is coming into uh, this Exxon station. This looks so much like Ladysmith, which is about a 10-minute drive from my cottage. Uh-huh. Like, it, it, every single time I pull in there before I get to my cottage, because we pick up ice, we pick up, like, stuff that won't last. This is about an hour's drive from the cottage that I used to frequent. <laughs> this area, <laughs> which we call dress stool instead of Ladysmith. Yeah. But yeah, it looks like every last stop before a cottage. Oh yeah, just like to get the essentials that won't last on the drive. I think this is just absolutely ridiculous. I fucking hate friends like this. I'm, not, I'm spoiling the next sequence for anyone that hasn't watched this, but you see their truck's getting towed. But yeah. yeah, a few minutes later, you'll realize how much I hate these people and why. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. I'm not, and we'll, listen, we'll really get into this when it comes to uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 about how much I don't like pranksters. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> oh, crazy Ralph. The only other guy to come back. Yeah. 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 And, and we saw what happened to Alice already. I know, right? But... 
I mean, you got to count Jason, I suppose. True. Even though it's not the same actor. Yeah, definitely not the the same actor. I like the idea that, you know, after all this time, he's still just cruising around on his bike. Just just telling people they're doomed. It's like he doesn't even know if they're staying here. (laughs) He's also (laughs) probably drunk. Yeah, probably. See you later, truck. Yeah, this is... Yeah. This is this is like one of those weird things in these Friday the Thirteenth uh, movies in which they're like establishing some character flavor uh, early on about uh, just how these guys interact with each other, and in a way, it almost comes off as pointless because it's not like this is really going to be addressed ever again. You know what I'm saying? Um, and you know, characters are going to be listen. We're only we're only sticking around here for less than ninety minutes. And so a lot of these characters aren't long for this world. Fucking Ted. Yeah, he is a rat shit. Can't yeah. stand him. Nice shorts, asshole. Yeah. Last time we saw old Ted it was uh, Christine. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep, he's yep. one of the he's one of the bullies. The tall one. Yeah. The 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 the, the dorky lanky guy. This guy not only not only can I not stand Ted uh, for his ridiculous um, prank that he tried to pull where he's just like fucking with people like, Hey, welcome. Welcome. I'm going to pretend like you got your truck towed. I'm going to stress you out for conceivably no reason. He tells the single worst jokes I've ever heard in film. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> so bad. Worse than the jokes and back and forth in my bloody Valentine. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I found that was pretty lame. Yeah. Those are actually pretty, now that you made me forget all about that yeah it's just like these long long fucking stories you know what maybe it's maybe he is funny and it's us with the problem what's great is i'm not even really listening to him what i am doing is watching the beautiful greenery it is beautiful very much like any drive to any cottage country, especially around here where you got a lot of deciduous forest, a lot of mixed trees, not so much conifers, but a lot of, there's some sumac happening, some mm-hmm. goldenrod, very typical of our same climate here, right? Yeah. So yeah, I do I do like that. A little bit of green, a little bit of piddle. <laughs> they, um, they, uh only thing that they're missing in terms of like flavor is if someone instantaneously were to complain about the bugs. Cause once you get out of the oh. car in area like this, like you take one step and you disturb swarms of black flies and mosquitoes and whatever have you. And you instantly swarmed. Lovely stuff. Camp Crystal Lake. I used to want to make Camp Crystal Lake signs and just hide them in the underbrush here and there around the area <laughs> for people to find. Yeah, it really is. Um, we we used to find uh, signs like this all the time. As a matter of fact, I have one at our cottage that says the rocks on it. And I don't know who the rocks were or what they were or what it's even in reference to. But it's sitting in my old bedroom. How old do you think it is, the sign? The sign, I'm going to conservatively say 30 years old, 35 years old. That's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. Because I found it when I was a boy. So... It's yeah, got to be. It's been in cottagey for decades and eons and generations. And it could have been farmland at one point, too, and probably was. So people were probably living out there on a permanent basis from, you know, generation to generation. 
The biggest difference in this film compared to the first one, look at all these. This actually seems plausible in the same way that when you're dealing with the, the cast of The Burning, it's like a fully functioning camp. There are hundreds of people there. Yeah. It's not just, oh, there's a camp here and there's like five people uh, that are showing up to, to run the whole thing. This is like, how many counselors would you say? That was like 20, 25 counselors? I'd like to pretend that this is Jason Voorhees <laughs> for a second. No, you know, the scary hand. It's got to be Jason. It's a it's a man hand. It's, it's, a, it's fucking Buddy thinking he's like Dennis the Menace with yeah. a slingshot. I'd like to supercut that and take, well, not supercut that, but uh, take from the slingshot stretching back to like just a machete in the head. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Nah, it's Jason Voorhees. No, that's true. Oh, uh, Vicky. This reminds me of the camp. There was a counselor camp that I attended for a little bit with the YMCA before I was a camp counselor. They sent you on um, a three-day weekend thing with other counselors. So to make sure that all the counselors have done all the things that we would ever conceivably make kids do, like start a fucking fire in 30 seconds and boil water in a minute and shoot bows and take a kayak and double check all of our swimming to make sure that we're still instructors and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was fun, actually, because there was no kids around. Fucking ruined my day. I always wonder about um, the the long looks they always gave up. In the first film, that you almost get a sense of like, oh, is he the person doing the killings? It's possible because the first film really is like a whodunit. We don't yeah. know who the killer is in this. We absolutely know who the killer is. I mean, we could assume. I mean, if anyone saw this film beforehand, they'd be like, I guess Jason's dead. But they set up pretty early that, no, no, it's just it's just Jason. And why? who else would uh, kill him? I think this is a great intro for her. She comes across as a pretty independent, strong, um, if spunky chick. Yeah. Ginny is one of my all-time favorite final girls. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has been that way for years. There's definitely other, um, you know, in my young adolescent mind, uh, young a- actresses that I was definitely like thought were like more attractive or like more spunky or like really had my interest while I'm watching it. But Ginny always, I always goes back to Ginny about one of the best written final girls and one of the craziest, um, like tricks up oh, anyone's yeah. sleeve. Completely. Where, where you the just... filthiest tricks. <laughs> oh my God, I couldn't imagine. No, no. And playing the video game, you get to relive a little bit of this, right? Mm. And whoa, it, but, you can feel the, the, the yuckiness of putting that sweater on. But that the video game is a really good point. I mean, in, the, in this film that we're covering, a huge uh, advantage that you can get in, in a video game that is considered amongst all these movies, the thing that sticks out the most is from this film. Yeah. Um, it, like it, the lasting power of Friday the 13th part two, but you're right. Like Jenny does come off as very independent. I mean, she's not coming to the campsite. She's not lost. She's not um, hitchhiking. She's not, um, she's not late because she is an airhead or because she's drinking. Getting boned. Getting boned. <laughs> <laughs> getting boned not like i'm not wild about uh his approach of like no i gotta show that i'm like authoritative and tough in front of you um because you know but then again I, I kind of like buckle at uh 
really um, stringent people who are just like, I'm the authority and I need to show that at all times. I'm like, come on, man. It's like, it's a camp. No, but I can, I can see why. I can see why. You don't want, same with being um, an instructor of any sort, of any sort. You have to keep some sort of power distance, no matter how minimal it is. You're still sort of one of them. He's maybe three years older than most of them. He's got to maintain some sort of power distance or else they will just run wild and not stick to their plan. It's just true. It's just true. Well, all right, fine. I might give you that. And I will say this much in terms of, uh, in terms of male protagonists in the Friday the 13th series, I'd certainly hate people a hell of a lot more than I hate Ball. Oh, completely. Yeah. And you get that as you're comeuppance. <laughs> Great big face full of Volkswagen black. Yeah. How nice is that? Yeah, she strikes me so much more of like an, a cool older sister. Uh, mm-hmm. The hip aunt. Yeah. Yeah, not so much as like the, the hot babysitter that yeah. so many final girls are sort of molded after. Yeah, what a cast of characters. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, I will say that in terms of, of characters that like really stick out, like it, like it or not, like it's like, I may not like the character of Ted, but I, I will not ever mistake him for anyone else in any of the other films. You know, Mark in the wheelchair, uh, my personal crush on, on Vicky. <laughs> She's so cute. But, um, and Ginny is such an amazing, uh, final girl. And and even so, there's a, it's peppered within so many other characters here that don't even get a line. But yeah, I wonder what like some of these people are doing now. They're like, hey, I was in Friday Thirteenth Part Two once. I didn't have any lines, so I'm not even. I didn't get my SAG card with it or anything like that. No, well, to have been present during this scene, the the actual campfire story. Yeah, I'd have killed. I wouldn't need any lines. I don't need union pay. This scene. Um, becomes legendary because this is the official campfire story because the last time that we heard this story we get shades of what happened through uh you know our old friends from the the first film the american original and a bunch of people getting killed in camp blood we know all that but then what truly happens from the perspective of mrs Voorhees, but then this add-on of what if the boy some say that the boy's still alive out there. This is a demented monster roaming the woods. Exactly. Oh, he doesn't say it like that. <laughs> no, no, no. But then, like this, it's like five years, five long years. He's been dormant like he's a cicada or something like that. <laughs> like, everyone getting super... Have you ever been scared by a campfire story? Mm, not that I really recall. I mean... As a really young kid, I might have been because my dad was really good at telling like scary stories and like the the whole the hook story, the kids at Lover's Lane and they hear screech on the door, yeah, and they find the hook or whatever. Well, there's a demented maniac. Oh I know. I was like, I don't know. I'd be more terrified of just like seeing that guy in nothing but animal furs. Oh, put some clothes on. I know, right? Yeah. It's like, and you know what? Put the mask back on. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, pretty gutsy little actor there. Pretty gutsy. Yeah, it's true. And also, like, did he bring that with him? Like, it was this. <laughs> it's camp. They got all kinds of crazy shit. I guess. You need a you need a giant box of like seven thousand badminton rackets. We got it. You need a whole bunch of like weird t- tales of different animals. Got it. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. Did he have a lot of like weird stuff all over this cabin? 
Nothing but team. I think he's playing like some kind of like fucking crazy sports game or whatever. Like hand, like a Tiger Electronic handheld or something. A really big one. I really love those little um, Atari consoles that look like little tiny arcade games. I yeah. really love those. <laughs> they used to have a little car race one. And I don't think that's the car race one. Where you have two separate tracks and you just sort of like have to dodge around other cars racing down the tracks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a very analog digital game, as digital games went. <laughs> it's weird that the dog came to the camp, don't you think? Not really. You don't think so? Because, I mean, it's, it's uh, what's her face? Terry's. It's Terry's dog. And this guy's, I don't know, this whole sequence is really weird. <laughs> no, he's a dog lover. What do you do? I guess so. No, I don't think it's so weird. I mean, I know um, enough people that are dog owners that do bring their dogs absolutely anywhere. We don't, but I'm trying to figure out what game this is he's playing. I don't know. It's, it's really going to drive you crazy. I th- I've always just kind of, it's probably like one of those old handheld like football games or, or something like that, that you could probably get at like Sears or Radio Shack or something. Well, she just say get my brain's ponged by our electronic wizard. So maybe it's a pong game. Unless she's just saying that she's not techie and every game is Pong to not technologically inclined individuals. Yeah. It's weird um, to just... uh, I understand that people playing music in a house and, like, I guess dancing to music is something that people find natural. But it's, uh, like, even this and four, too. It's, like, this idea of, like, do you want to dance? Oh, God, four. Four, that's mostly what I want to do for You want to talk about Crispin Glover? (laughs) I want to talk about Crispin Glover and I want to talk about Aaron Lupton doing the Crispin Glover dance from four once randomly... Uh, because Lisa Lattisard said, hey, do the Crispin Glover dance. And he just did it. It was very strange, very entertaining, and probably my f- best introduction to a human being ever, because that's how I, I met Aaron Lupton from Rumor <laughs> that does the music. Uh, he's a music editor. Right. Yeah. He does the perfect Crispin Glover dance. It's great. It's better than if you said to somebody, do an Elaine dance, and they were the type of person that could just haul off and do an Elaine dance. Way better than that. Well, I definitely feel like the Elaine dance is just a, a, a slowed down version of Crispin Glover's dance. True. See, we're not even we're not even watching four, and we still got into talking about the Crispin Glover Can't dance. Can't help it. Can't help it. And tune in in a future episode of Splatter Pictures Dead Air, where we do talk about the Crispin Glover dance while it's fucking happening. Oh, we used to have a dish rack exactly like that with that orangish bottom to mm-hmm. it. I think that's what I like so much about watching these older movies. I'm reminded of old furniture and products we used to have. I love that. Um, I've gotten it the absolute most from American Horror Story, the first, the ghost house sequences. Really? Um, yes, oddly enough. But yeah, most 80s horror, I'd be like, hey, we used to have those drapes. Hey, we had that thing. Or hey, my grandma used to have those. You know, see a lot of that. But yeah. American Horror Story was just weird. They had my sugar spoon. The sugar spoon that put the sugar in that coffee, Wes. Really? Yep. Hmm. I suppose you're right, like, given the given the relationship that Ginny and Paul have. I mean, they definitely seem to really be into each other, and the, but there is, like, a private and public uh, face, right? Oh, completely. Like, it, it's sort of like dating your boss, right? Right. So, if you were dating your boss, would you be all, like, up on him or her? In the middle of fucking work, like no. no, but I mean, I always would find ways to steal away. 
steal away because I'm I'm that passionate and uh, romantic. Oh my one God. of them copy room <laughs> the, types. Yeah, the look of disgust. Room closet. Yeah. Sickos. The look of disgust on her face, ladies and gentlemen, is... Uh, I look almost as cool as Ralph. Like, it's... It's buckwild to me that he is just so. Like, I, let me ask you this: Do you think he's trying to protect them? Does he want to? Is he like into like snuff? Like, there's no internet, so he can't into snuff. Yeah, so like, you know, did he want to see someone else get murdered? But oh no, oh well. Well, serves him fucking right. And that's it for our OG characters eliminated. Too sweet. Yep. Except Jason himself. Except Jason himself, which. For all, for all intents and purposes, was a fevered dream in the first movie. Could be. Could very well be. Or a completely separate entity. Because that... Ah, we're here. We're clear. We don't want any more bears. <laughs> but yeah, he could be a completely separate entity because who knows where that spirit of revenge could manifest, right? I've often thought that maybe there is still the body in the lake that is little baby Jason. Like little baby Jesus. Part of a whole yeah. trinity of Jasons. Like you'd have to go and get the body and get it out of the lake to like maybe once and for all. Nope, because that is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I, see, if you let me finish, I was going for a Ringu type Where it thing, doesn't work? Where it, not only does it not work, it makes it worse. That'd be great. That would be great. <laughs> And now his body can inhabit anything like Fallen. Mm. That's quite the film. I haven't seen that in a long time, and I've been thinking about it here and there lately. I always thought that this was ridiculous. I was like, I was like, I'm here to be a camp counselor, and you're what taking me on like fucking like runs like we're in the military. Get out of here. And we did that. Did you? We're going to make the kids do that. Really? Got to make sure you can do it. Oh my god! This that is- or it's also scouting trails that you're going to take kids on, right? Like, uh, that makes a lot of sense. You know what? I'm glad you were a camp counselor. I can explain all this fucking crazy shit that makes no sense to you, and our dear listeners, of course. Like having the stupid muffy dog. He's muffin. such a muffy dog. <laughs> Not the kind of dog you want to take camping, like that I would envision. But there's people that take their dogs anywhere. I mean, it's it's got a ribbon for God's sake. That cut is fucking hilarious. From a dog to a hot dog. Yeah. This is all like it's like a little bit of foreshadowing. Got herself a chainsaw, knows how to use it. Well, like they had said, you know, if you show a gun in the first act, it better be fired by the end of the second. Yeah. <laughs> she does know enough that uh, her dog is missing. Muffin. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> I'm trying to remember now. Um, I knew a cat with the most ridiculous name. It was, it was great. It was an interesting little, like a fluffy, cute, fat cat that was just a happy, super awesome cat with the most unfortunate name. So it's great that it doesn't speak English. Um, Cupcake Unicorn. Cupcake Unicorn. Cupcake Unicorn. I think there's a third part to that name, like Cupcake Unicorn something. That's obscene because if you name your cat three things you're never going to call it three things you're going to oh, short yes she did oh my god but yeah cupcake unicorn something I can't remember what it was but yeah ridiculous I don't know it's one thing when kids name something like awkward um, my niece and nephew had fish named uh, see-through and acrobat were the names of their fish acrobat and see-through 
Those cute names. I had met a cat once named W because a kid decided that it wanted to call its cat W. But for a grown adult to call their cat Cupcake Unicorn something, that's wild. Muffin, I can handle. I guess. Well, Princess. There's a pretty famous horror dog. Yeah, it's true. I like those boobs. They are so distracting. <laughs> they are not distracting. I think they're just wonderful. Is they distracting like a, a rainbow? Distracting like Christmas morning? I'll put it to you this way. If, 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 a, if a young lady had asked me to go look for a camp blood, first of all, I would need very little convincing. But, oh, fucking right. I mean, but I, I mean, go with the, anyway, I go with Ralph to go find camp blood. <laughs> but I mean, I definitely, definitely could get lured off a fucking cliff by a, someone who looked like that. <laughs> so, no, I totally get it. Look, it's this dumb shit. It's like frog in a blender. Ha ha ha. Although I will say that these were the sort of jokes that me and my friend Kim were telling in the schoolyard. Yeah. Dead baby jokes. We're very big on the dead baby jokes. Well, I don't know if this is really the same thing. Frog in a blender and a, and a dead baby. Because isn't there the one about like the pitchfork and the baby? Or I don't know. Yeah, or the one eating its way out from the bottom and stuff like that. Or in a blender. You know, a baby in a blender. Frog in a blender. Same thing. Yeah, that's true. No, but um, these guys always getting in trouble. It's funny how soon that these characters are offed uh, because they're really the first uh, of our teens that we meet. And a lot of things are, I wouldn't really say instigated uh, by this because I don't think them trespassing is not... It's not certainly not what triggers Jason. No, they're not walking into somebody's house like in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and exactly. just fucking coming in and yelling hello and then making themselves at home. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is something that that is happening is is happening regardless. I mean, I mean, like you would could assume that you could have walked ten feet down in the bush and not seen the no trespassing sign. Really, you know, I give them a, a complete pass. He would have stalked them tomorrow night in their beds. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like that Jason changed his pants. <laughs> good dead dog. Really good dead dog. I was like, but you know what's crazy is that, you know, when you um, when you uh, see this dog and it's like inside out, that dog's not dead. Like we see it later. <laughs> so it's like, what is that? Another dead animal. Another dead dog. Someone else's dead dog. Yeah, it's crazy. Bad continuity. Well, you know. No one can say for sure if it was a dog, even though it's definitely made to look like an inside-out muffin. But even they say, what is it? Don't know. Can't tell. <laughs> I'm like, it's muffin. It looks like muffin. Has the same ugly teeth. Well, they kind of got cute teeth. This is a point that I think um, is uh, overlooked to more casual fans of the franchise is that it really doesn't... They're really never going back to Camp Blood. They're near. They're always near Camp Blood. Every sequel, it's like, this is a neighboring camp or this is a summer home on the same lake or whatever have you, right? 
I always thought that they just lied and that this is Camp Blood. And they said, oh, no, no, this isn't Camp Blood. It was down the way a little ways. You know, it was that other next lot over or it was across the fucking lake or no. And they're just lying because this is Camp Blood. It's like being like, oh, no, we're not on an Indian burial ground here. The Indian burial ground's over there. Oh, that's what you're talking about. I, I guess it would make a, a lot more sense. You can't always go to like stand like the was it the Micmac burial grounds and stuff like that. Yeah, I do like that this guy does interject and lets you know that there would have been somebody's eye on them. There would have been somebody patrolling this area, but how have they never stumbled across Jason? He's not that far off the road. No. <laughs> that pause, fix the hair, and then continue again. It's a hilarious touch. I don't know. I, I really don't know like why I find it so funny, but it's so good. He's got to look, look good for whoever he's going to arrest, these rowdy kids. Mm-hmm. I've never, ever, ever, ever seen a police officer out in the bush, though. Ever. I've never even seen an M&R officer out in the bush myself. Me either. In fact, the only time I've ever come across another person deep in the bush uh, is a hunter. Yeah, or someone walking their dogs, hiking, mushroom foraging. That's Mm -hmm. about all I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know if these marshals or rangers or whatever they are behave any differently, but the M&R for our American friends is the Ministry of National... Ministry of... Natural resources. I don't say national resources. <laughs> I always like this uh, pond with the rock as a nice little marker to let the audience know where you are. They're definitely on the same track. It's not just bush that all looks the same. Exactly, right? One of the things that I always say is like anytime that you're dealing with horror that is taking place in a deep wood setting, uh, and you know that people who live in the woods, you know, they can tell you, like, I know every tree in this, so they're never lost. But to someone who is not acquainted with the forest, I mean, it all just kind of looks the same. Like in the film uh, Backcountry, there is a rock I recognize from mm. Russell Park from where they'd filmed that. that And it astounded me even because I'm like, oh, I recognize that parkade they're in. I recognize that landing. And then when they go by this particular rock, I'm like, oh, my God, I recognize that rock. <laughs> it's lame, but... I love this. This is really amazing. Have you ever encountered a little shanty like this? So I have, um, but it was so broken down, the four walls weren't standing anymore. Okay. But you could tell that it was a lot like this. We It was made from refuse. Yeah. I can I can smell and feel this uh, oh, shack, yeah. man, because like, the moss and the dampness and the smell of mildew. Oh, um, yeah. We, the, me and a friend had found a place very similar to this with probably like, I don't know, 14 giant wine boxes full of porn and oh, detective magazines. Cool. And half of them were just strewn about and all moldy, gone to pot, right? But we'd flip through them. Both the crime and the porn, either are, but we were like maybe 10, 11 years old and found this shack like this. Yeah, the, and just like the art direction, like every corner of this this little shack tells a story about uh-huh. like how he would have, oh, that's such a great shot. I love That was one of my, that sold me on this forever. I love that hammer death. That hammer death is so good. And it's just it's just so nasty. Just get the, the pointy end, right? It still makes me nervous around the pointy ends of hammers. Yeah. Because- and his wide-eyedness. Yeah. I am, you can tell from where I sit that he looks instantly dead. Instantly fucking dead. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, that whole uh, shack area is just, it's just brilliant. It's really cool. And they never go back. They never go back to it after this film. Like we never think like, where does Jason go when he's not Jasoning it up? Most of the time, because in the films, he's uh, either in the ground or in the under, ground under or the water. water. Yeah, like where does Jason go when he's not Jasoning it up? Uh, you'd like to think he's kicking back in his little swank spank shack there, mm-hmm. like is Spanky's whack shack. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> I'm just envisioning porn all over the place. It's right? like that's the part of the like if the cop kept looking in around further, it's probably behind his mother's head. You know what I'm saying? Like all the porn. Probably that's where that's where I'd keep it if I were Jason. And this is how you you think to yourself. So what's it going to be? Is this movie just going to have an insane body count, or do we need to somehow eliminate a huge chunk of our non-principal cast? Handily, this is a bar down the road. <laughs> I like because it helps us focus. Because at this point, there is no way to keep all of these people straight. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, truck owner, dog owner, spunky girl. That's yeah. all I really care about. Yeah. Hat guy. Hat guy's girlfriend with the huge boobs. Wonderful boobs. Wonderful boobs. It's not just that they're big, it's that they're perfect. Um, oh, yeah. This is also one of the ones that really helps cement the whole rainy full moon Friday 13th feel as well. Yeah. Later on in the evening. It really took this film to make certain things tropes because in the first film you had something that was kind of unique. You had, you've had uh, stock and slash films before, but never quite in the context of the camp, never quite with the types of character archetypes that we associate with the Friday the 13th franchise, but everything from like, you know, the hallowed skinny dip comes from this right and and at this point it's cemented and by the third one it is a it is firmly developed what makes a friday the 13th movie a friday the 13th movie and what's crazy to me about all the hoopla that goes on these days and when they released that script where they're like this is what the new friday the 13th movie could have been and it was just i don't understand why people can't Keep this simple. This franchise cannot hold anything other than tits, knives, teens, Jason. I don't understand why it has to be any more complicated than that. I don't know why they think they need to like hang accoutrement on this story that it doesn't belong. You know that that short that they did earlier this year, maybe last year, that was like people were talking about how it was like the greatest Friday the 13th thing that anyone had ever seen in years. What was it? It was a camp. It was Jason stalking a guy. That's all it was. I was just going to bring that up because that was the best Friday the 13th sequel that I've seen in a long time. It was like, because, and and I don't know, I don't understand if, if people, if, if executives and shit who own these rights are thinking to themselves, well, we, like, you know, like, yeah, okay, the, the, the hardcore Friday the 13th audience is going to come no matter what. We need to make this movie for other people. I'm like, no, you don't. Make the movie for fucking $2 million. Yeah. $1 million. The way it ought to be. Yeah. And, and like, you will be laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. It's a camp with a fucking revenge ghost in the forest. It's all you need. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Because the 
money best be spent on lighting and sound. Exactly. It's like Man you don't. Soto, do your score like you're supposed to. And it's very simple to execute a Friday the 13th film. We will keep coming back for the same thing over and over. We definitely will with this because every generation has a new camp experience that they've had. They don't need to really update the camp experience. Camp experience sort of stays frozen in time as it is. <laughs> so these are sports games. It's like football and hockey. God, lame. Yeah, I know. They're not games that I would want to play. You don't have Pac-Man or anything? Pac-Man. I'd play Pong or that lame race game. Sports games were never interesting to me. Especially, like, let's be real. Like, how limited a sports game in a in a handheld from 1982 would be. Like, it would just be like two little... It would be nothing, right? It's like that other on the Coleco where you had tennis or Pong, which was really very similar same thing but um (laughs) slightly different looking and hockey they had hockey as well which was hilarious but there was two guys you had like a defense in in the hockey game on the clico that that would be as rudimentary as those are 1981 they had those little little consoles that i miss so much you could be playing pac-man less it's true. Maybe they weren't battery operated, though, because I do remember those either taking a giant battery or being plugged into the wall. Fucking Scott. And his weird taking your clothes prank. He is a Dennis the Menace. That's what he he really, really is. If he dyed him bright blonde, he would be a Dennis the Menace. <laughs> well, that's what you get. That's what you get, Dennis the Menace. He would be he would be very much getting in trouble the way that Dennis the Menace would if like Mr. Wilson tried to catch him in a snare and then slit his throat. <laughs> I think that's what Mr. Wilson always would have wanted to do, Dennis the Menace. Pretty much. No, it's it's a kind of hilarious. It's kind of hilarious. It's a fitting end to our little dark haired Dennis the Menace. Yeah. And they do blame their strange friend in the in the furs <laughs> that gets his friend's trucks towed that tells horrible jokes. Do you think he'd really set a snare, though? I don't know. But, like, Ted's everywhere in this movie because Mark and uh, Vicky are playing his handheld games. We're led to believe that Scott is snared in Ted's trap. Ted tows the truck. Ted is, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it all kind of, it's crazy how red-haired, many Red-haired, red herring. It's crazy how much things hinge on that character and his personality, right? Where, like, and, you know, you could imagine that, well, maybe Jason set this. Who knows? Why would he? Like, he doesn't seem to have any problem. He doesn't snare anybody else on any trap. So why would he do this trap? That's why I think that Jason's been eating wild animals all this time. So he would know how to set a snare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right about that. That's what I think. But what do I know? Oh, Lovely yeah. machete. Finally with the machete. Yeah. You know, Scott's not one of those characters that I have a particular problem with, except for I don't like his shit-eating grin when he's basically harassing Terry. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, he doesn't really like rub me the wrong way. The character that I dislike the most in this film doesn't even die. Ah, <laughs> oh, I feel for you. I know, right? That's all right, because... It'll definitely get to a point in which uh, they stop getting letting people off the hook or off the machete, if you will. 
uh, in this franchise, but not this movie. They leave survivors in two at a degree in which I can't recall if too many other people, if there's another Friday the 13th movie where more people live. I don't know. We'll have to do a head count yeah. as we go through them. Yeah. Although, like it is with all these great big movies that we usually neglect to cover, someone's probably already done that. Oh, yeah. Someone's probably already done that. And, but you get you know a what? wall map of it. Oh, yeah. Corkboard. But this is us doing it, Liz. Can you think of anything fucking more miserable than going to this damn honky-tonk place? <laughs> I was wondering when they first pulled up, does this uh, little bar still exist? Uh, interesting fun fact. Uh, this place burned down a year after this film was released. Uh, so if you go there now, it is just an empty waterfront area. There's nothing there. God, I hate that guy. Yeah, yeah. That's like a server's worst fucking nightmare. Just some jag off. Like, look at my fucking. I got beer dogs. Oh my god. Are they drinking Molson Export? Yeah, I think so. I thought it was Rolling Rock there for a second, but I think you're right. I think it's fucking. Was Rolling Rock a thing back then? I. You know what? I don't think it was. Okay. Um. But uh, when I see a green bottle and that particular label, I'm like, oh, Rolling Rock. Classic West. They got a Kiss pinball, and I I was going to guess Sinbad beside it, but I'm not really sure. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't quite read what it is. Looks like a Toppers. That's what I'm reading. I said I saw Topaz. Topaz. Maybe it is Topaz. I don't know what the hell. Crazy old 80s arcade games. We'll have to go down to the arcade and see if they got any duplicates. Recognize that graphic. This um, this is a, a, an interesting uh, window into Ginny's thinking about where's this. So, like, her plan at the end of the film doesn't just, I mean, she doesn't really pull it completely out of her ass. No, yeah, this has been on her mind since the campfire story. Exactly. And she is, we know that she goes to school for uh, child psychology as her major. So, she is sitting here really contemplating, like, you know, everyone else is dancing Drinking beers and having a good time while that jag off is like trying to hit the hit on the waitress in the worst conceivable way. She's just staring at her beer, thinking about Jason. This was me when Luca Magnata was all in the news because for months afterward, I'd just be like pouring over the the why and how mm-hmm. of Luca Magnata and watching like some of his older interviews and stuff for those like dating sites or whatever the hell it was that he was or dating shows that he was interviewing for. And contemplating this, Vince Lee, who beheaded that man named Tim on the bus, uh, the Greyhound beheading, I would mull that out over. So I can get this sitting there while other people are just mosquitoes around you. And you're thinking, how could she have left him out in the woods all that time? Mm-hmm. She's really serious about this, though, Wes. You know what's crazy to me? It's like, Ginny is sitting here actually having what I consider an interesting conversation. If we... I was like, listen, Paul, you told that fucking story. And so what would you rather do? Sit there while your friend makes bad jokes, pathetically hitting on the waitress? Or your your girlfriend is actually trying to have, like, an interesting conversation and you're just, like... No, you want to have a good time. You're not going to sit there with Debbie Downer while she talks serious stuff. What's, what we're all we're all drunk. We don't want to talk about a deranged killer. Those those people. They also like to play handheld sports games, Wes. Yeah. You and I have often sat with a pint talking about deranged killers. 
and enjoy that sort of conversation. So of course you would find that obtuse that he's like, look, lady, I don't want to talk about deranged killers. I want to sit here while my friend makes beer gogs literally at the waitress. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. This is, you know what it is? It's like Ginny's art kind of people. That's yeah, what it is. She truly is. And I, I think she's just distracted by like Paul's like, oh, I was like, well, I'm blonde. He's blonde. I guess that's, I guess this is what we do. <laughs> right. She'll, she'll figure it out. She'll figure it out sooner or later that she's like, oh, I see. It's like, this guy's just like a dingus. Yeah. And- once she gets further on to school, she'll date somebody else. Oh yeah. Well, or not. She'll be in therapy. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Toke? I like these. I like these scenes with yeah. these two. I do because it is very inclusive and far more inclusive than any other film of its time. It's, it's fairly interesting. Mark, we know, um, was a, a sports star. Yeah. Is, is, is like the dorkiest way I could possibly say that. And we know that he was injured and then he was confined to a wheelchair. Vicky doesn't, that does not face her at all. She is into this dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, Which is wonderful to see. Only a lady was that into me. If and, only this was Kevin Bacon. If only this was Kevin Bacon. He does kind of have like, like th- they got the guy that kind of has like a Kevin Bacon vibe to him. He's like half Kevin Bacon, half John Travolta. <laughs> he would only be he'd be full John Travolta if his face was covered in beard oh god yeah <laughs> that's who he sort of reminds me of might as well get some more Christine angles happening in here yeah absolutely and this is like the more exciting prospect because it's like those two guys upstairs like Jeff and his lady they, you know that's old hat they've been doing it forever we're, when we're surprised they haven't already banged you know yeah exactly but this is a new blossoming romance yeah summertime romance like this is the beginning of a whole summer of young love or, or dirty weird filthy camp banging yeah that's yeah. the thing that grosses me out the most about these sorts of films is that Especially if it's like there's a tent involved. If people are like getting frisky in a tent, it's like you've got pine needles in between your toes. I know it. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Someone always tracks sand in there. Oh, yeah. Or you've, you've been slathered in sunscreen, bug dope, campfire smoke, sweat. Who knows what? You are just coated in grime. And you're going to get cozy? Blah. Please. <laughs> uh, yeah, but at the very least, this camp has you know running water and uh, shower stalls, shower stalls, and all that kind of stuff. She's so adorable. She is so adorable. I don't know if there's a girl in a Friday Thirteenth movie that isn't. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm sitting here uh, all smitten and stuff like that, as if this entire franchise is not littered with absolutely beautiful women. Like, and I can't even really. I, I mean, I could sit here and rag on it being sexist. I could True. sit here and rag on the male gaze, especially the whole um, slingshot scene. Oh, yeah, That's for sure. Like, 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 you know, you could imagine being in the theater for that, and it's just Terry's ass, yeah. like, on the whole screen. I'm imagining that I'm, like, 30 feet of butt cheek. Yeah. That's not all bad. But um, for so- somehow they do it right. Somehow they get away with it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Even this, like, you know, you have, uh, 
Vicky hanging out in an adorable sweater and just her panties, and it's so sexy. But somehow it manages to like not cross a line for me anyway personally like listen i know sexism when i see it because she's um, not writhing around like a cat in heat and i think that's it because i'm like she's not like stomping around like an eileen warnos or something in her <laughs> panties which is just yeah. a horrific idea but she's not like scintillating around and like seeping around corners and like obviously just soaking wet mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. she is just going about her business in her panties uh, reminds me a lot of Sigourney Weaver just going about her business slaughtering aliens in her panties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a really good example about uh, something being sexy, but at the same time seeing thematically practical mm-hmm. because she was getting ready for her deep sleep or whatever. Yeah. This is like she's getting ready for uh, a rendezvous, a tryst uh, to, to meet this boy and hopefully uh, things work out and stuff like that. And then she just kind of finds herself in this circumstance. Oh, yeah, the rain is so good here. The rain really, really makes it. Because there's nothing that makes camping or cottaging feel more isolated than a thunderstorm. It's wonderful, too. Because mm-hmm. you can got to be able to appreciate a wonderful thunderstorm. But it hides sound. You are isolated in your into the dry areas. Mm-hmm. Or you're going through a rigmarole with wet clothing. I mean, it really does... Put a damper on the night. Yeah. This sequence, uh, so many scenes in this film become standout scenes for the Friday the 13th franchise Mm -hmm. in terms of top 10 kills, uh, top 10 final girls, like all of these things that people uh, keep track of with these movies as uh, people want to do. This just (laughs) fucking... If it would have even ended there, though, but now we've almost got this Homer Simpson scene. Don't, 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 don't. Um, it's, it's it's a nice touch to freeze on that scene as opposed to not only does it make uh, practical sense because I'm sure they didn't let that poor guy go all the way down the fucking steps. He was probably on a rail or something. But, or there um, was a, a bunch of mattresses there. For yeah, the exactly. Mattress. But it just it's just like, oh, my God. And it gives you just long enough to be like, oh, man, they aced the kid in the wheelchair. I also always thought that because there's nothing more helpless than someone who is differently abled and has spilled out of their chair and mm-hmm. definitely need people to help them, even though he's dead and there's no help in him, right? There's, yeah. There's no helping him. But just that heartbreaking scene of seeing someone go ass over tea cuddle in a wheelchair or, like, in real life, I've seen people wipe out in their wheelchairs before, and it is just heartbreaking. Even if you're right there to help them and they don't get hurt, mm-hmm. it you you understand how helpless they really are at, in the moment or how much of a pain in the ass it's going to be for them to get back in their chair on their own accord. Um, so I'm glad that they cut away from us seeing him spill out of his chair, mm. which was really the end game there, right? I love that chair or the, that stairwell stalking scene where he's walking up the steps with the spirits so good it's much better than the last couple in bed um arrow death thing because we didn't really get to see too much of the machinations of him coming in at them that's true Probably the second most iconic don't fuck in the woods kind of kill. Yeah, skewered together by a spear. Lovely Um, stuff. We talked about it way back when when we did the Twitch of the Death Nerve uh, uh, Bava film. 
Twitch the Death Nerve. Very famously has a nearly identical scene in it. Mm-hmm. 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 This is where Ted just wants to keep on partying. Fine, stay there, Ted. Yeah, he seems like that guy that doesn't know when the night's over. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. where you're just like, oh, no, man, we got to stay here until this bar closes. You can see him at four in the morning being like, hey, you want to hear a joke? No, I fucking don't. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Nowadays, when you're surrounded by people like that, they're constantly showing you their phone. They're like, look at this video or look at this thing. Like, look at this thing on my phone. I'm so glad they did not have cell phones when this Ted person was a thing. This guy would have been fucking insufferable. And you know that he would try to be like a a Twitch star or like a a YouTuber. You know he'd be like, he's like, hey, what's up, everybody, man? My my name's uh, uh, Teddy Boy 69 and this is my Tide Pod Challenge. That's this fucking guy. Look at that face. Yeah, that's exactly the face that's selling you the... Fucking YouTube channel. He wouldn't be a podcaster. No, 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 no. no, no. He's not sophisticated. Sophisticated like us. No, exactly. Which is funny because like he has a face for radio. It's true. I shouldn't be ragging on him so hard. Like he's he's a dink. We don't like him, and we don't have to. You know what? That's that's our fucking right. And you know what? Who cares? Because here's Vicky. Oh my god, coming in from the rain still looks fucking fantastic. Of course she does. Yeah. It's not hard. I know. It's not hard when you're Vicky. No, and it's not hard to just keep yourself together. I think there is a really wonderful, like, 1800s book on etiquette that should would set so many people straight these days. That's not true. so many hot messes would be running around. And that's all. She's simply not a hot mess. That's true. Well, a little bit of covering up your dirty work there, Jason. Yeah. He's like, listen, I'm covering Sandra's dirty pillows. Well, we know now, if anyone had thought that Ted was behind all of this, we know now he is not. Oh, Oh, somebody discovery. I mean, I don't count hanging guy in the snare as a body discovery, but... True. But again, and we've talked about this... um, I don't know if we ever put it. We did put something uh, uh, to this effect of the epi- uh, into an episode, but um, Jason arranging bodies, putting things around and shit. Mm-hmm. This scene is drawn out to the point where you could believe that this is a scene from the town that dreaded sundown. Just like that one sequence right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It fits very, very well. I mean, Jason's lacking a little bit of that um, raw ferocity. He the, hasn't the, walked through a door yet. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it is like a, a moonlight murder. It's the same sort of setting. It's the same sort of victims. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's very, very similar. I'd like to think that without Ginny's car, they'd all just be fucking locked in this space. Like, it looks like no one else has any, like, uh, vehicles there aside from the big truck that they, the others came in, right? Mm-hmm. I love that. This was apparently not a stunt person. It was the real actress, like, just getting dragged down the stairs. I'd do it. I'd do it. Put up with yeah. some bruises for a really wonderful scene. This is also something that uh, occurs in Friday the 13th. Uh, our final girls or uh, boys uh, will return to the camp when murder is already afoot. Mm-hmm. When there's already been bodies. We're going to see it in the next one, too. Um. <laughs> Weed is the the drug of choice. 
And it's funny how like the drugs of choice change throughout the franchises because we'll go from weed to like coke to heroin. Like like drug like I was like as the drug trends changed, so too does uh, the usage of the youth. Would you believe that you could blame anything on someone smoking pot anymore? Or would it be untoward to have a pot smoker in the group anymore? Not at all. No. So I can see how that trend would change. you got to have something a little more dastardly. <laughs> I like that word use because by the next film, we're going to see like, it's basically they're hanging out with like fucking Shaggy and Scooby. <laughs> Now you got like less light, more rain. I love how Ginny clearly is way more cautious. Paul's is just like, oh, it's power outage. She is definitely sensing already that something is up. Like, well, the giant bed sheets full of blood might have uh, helped. Yeah, she even has this fucking like. There's someone in the room. Like, she just fucking senses it. You know what I mean? It's fucking good. Maybe she could hear somebody breathing. I just Jason breathe. Well, we don't get Jason breathing like we get shape breathing. Yeah. Like shape breathing is is you literally feel like you're inside that Halloween mask with them. Right. Yeah. But uh, with Jason, I don't know. Certainly not with this because he's still wearing the canvas bag. Yeah, that would be scary. Holy fuck. The just a little jack in the box, Jason. The, the sack really changes the dimensions of his body. I mean, listen, I know that, you know, you have different actors playing Jason throughout the films. Uh, Kane Hodder, the most famous, but I mean, like, really, he doesn't... Lee jeans. Oh, my God. Do you think that she maybe... Maybe my mom sewed a button on them, motherfuckers. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. I'm all proud. Sorry. Jason changes the dimensions of his body. Right, but this one with the, with the sack head, it gives him such a top-heavy look because there's no... Uh, delineation like juggernaut for, yes no like no neck and it, and you know so big chest shoulders a big bulbous head with no neck or chin so he looks like hulking in a way that other Jasons don't I don't know I'm five foot two Jason's hulking no matter what you dress him up in Really? That's true. Maybe I'm looking at it from a from the wrong perspective. He's a big listen. They always get a big dude to play Jason. It's got to be a fucking big guy. But I get what you mean, and and is it helps you know you imagine that he's something other than human because he has a different shape. Yeah. Than a human, there's no neck. Yeah, like I, like I at this point in the, in the film franchise, yes, it is very plausible to assume. All right, fine. He was. The, what 13 11 whenever yeah he was in trouble and that yeah, there you go mm-hmm. there's a crazy old rap. she doesn't even know who that guy is she's <laughs> okay. just like oh well, a dead old man shit <laughs> uh but when anyway so like it's at this point in our franchise yeah jason's alive he's a he's a living person who grew up in the woods and will just by some stretch of the imagination assume that he went unnoticed all this time and didn't have the presence of mind to seek help when he's not far from civilization. We're n- he's, he- well, what does he need help with? Good point. Yeah, okay. But, um, carry on. But uh, when you look at the franchise as a whole, I'm like, no, he's a meat ghost. Like, that's really what he is. He is. Um, I also like that we don't know what he looks like. They- they've referred to him as like a deformed freak or like... 
a monster mm-hmm. already. Although no one has any idea because Jason is a legend, quote unquote, mm-hmm. at to, up until this point. We don't know what he looks like. We can only imagine his hands look pretty normal. Yeah. <laughs> we get lots to see lots of those. But with the bag on, it helps cement in our mind that he's deformed. He's cyclopean. There's something wrong with him. Like mm-hmm. we do get proven that he's deformed. There's something wrong with him. But up until this point, he could be a regular dude. He could be anybody. He could be an absolutely average looking individual. Yeah. Like maybe maybe it was just he was teased, but there was really nothing wrong with him. Maybe he just had like a, a, a like a, a hair lip or something like that, or something really minor. One wiggly eye. One wiggly eye, as or you know, like just one ear was kind of crooked. And there, was, this is what you're talking about earlier yes. with a little bit of, um, you know, he he winces, he is foul, uh, not infallible, he falls, he has nuts. Yeah, like I mean, like. Jason, we literally just watched Jason Voorhees get sacked, yeah. like, and and it worked. It, it it's not as though I mean, if you tried to do that and Jason and Jason takes Manhattan, he wouldn't even move. Yeah. Uh, so you're wasting your time. And this, yes, and you know he does have a sense of self preservation, and just the way he moves, like so cautious. He's so much more like cat like in in this, where he's checking things out and, and and shit it's not like he has like a almost a supernatural knowledge about where you are he's not appearing from around corners he's he's stalking really and we are, and we are bearing witness to that like, even <laughs> that like he's falling like ghost face and scream no exactly <laughs> and there are elements of this at the beginning that do remind me quite a bit of scream too more yeah. but um he is very human and yeah. he's very very human to a I, fault. I love the pitchfork, though. That's such a, that's such a great image of just Jason Voorhees running with a pitchfork. A very hillbilly horror to me, too. Yeah. And that's, there's elements of this that are hillbilly horror, which we haven't gotten into enough of. Although I will say, um, our episode on the Scarecrow and talking about Scarecrow magic. Mm-hmm. On scarecrows, um, I was so taken by that. I wanted to write a scarecrow story that when it came, push came to shove not too long ago, I'd written way too long of a story for a little thing for the Wicked Library. And that movie, ha- or that story that I've written has a lot of hillbilly horror sort of elements to it coming from some of the dead air that we've done mm-hmm. on hillbilly horror, which is way too absent. We've got to find some titles to do, Wes. All right, you know what? You heard it here first, creeps. I am on the fucking hunt for mm-hmm. some hillbilly horror. Because this is not quite scratching my hillbilly horror itch. You know what it is? It's because you have a, a hillbilly-like killer, but we're not. It's not the environment. It's, it's a like camp, it's, deep you, country. Yeah, you're yeah. you're at a camp. You're you know you're a fucking ten minute walk from the highway. It's not the same. No, it's not the same. I want real isolation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can do that. Good. Because this is hill, the closest to Hillbilly Jason. The hockey mask thing. It becomes its own thing. At oh, that, yeah. Like, it's just, it's, Jason is its own thing. This sequence is buck wild to me, only in the fact that this, of all things, causes her to wet herself. It could. I've seen a girl wet herself over a wild animal before. A fox ran across the trail 
with uh, friends outside once and a girl wet herself. I, I, I am going to give props for... Um, it's a very natural human response. Like you are scared. Something scares the piss and shit out of you. It happens. Um, but I mean, we're talking about a woman who has already seen death. Like she has seen, like, like there has been a lot more terrifying things. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Th- this, this is that's great you know you could start a fun super cut i I don't know why i keep thinking of super cuts i don't really watch them oh Uh, yeah jason Voorhees with the slingshot or who i'd like to think is jason Voorhees, (laughs) and then just cut in all of the fucking pratfalls (laughs) and make it look like a fun comedy yeah yeah it's fucking crazy it's just like jason's like I'm going to stand on this chair. Uh, shit, I'm too heavy and this chair is a piece of shit. And then he falls. It's, it, it, like, I, like I said before, it's just a Jason we have never seen before because this is his first real, real in the flesh screen appearance yet in the first film. It's a mm-hmm. dream sequence. Yeah. And we never see him like this again. This, this is such a wholly unique version of this character. And we're back at the puddle. We know exactly where she is. Yeah, we do. We know she's on her way, very close to Spanky's Whack Shack. (laughs) It's just a nice little bit of continuity that they throw in the film. So just we know where she where she's going, even though she's never been here before. It could be any trail in any forest, really, from our point of view. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, like there's going to be help there. (laughs) If you. If you saw this godforsaken place. Love that scene. Love that scene. Yeah. She doesn't hear him coming yet. We get to see him and it's very tense making. But yeah, no, I, I don't know if I've never been in the sort of moral panic that she's mm-hmm. in. Um, I've never been terrorized like this. So maybe running to this shack would seem like a bastion. Now, we do see Alice's body in that pile very badly decomposed, and her clothing even is all shredded and old and worn. Um, so uh, I always like to like just look at that and be like, yeah, they still got the ice pick in there and everything like that. That's what happens to Alice. That's crazy to me that she just ends up as part of this body pile. That's not so crazy. That's what Jason does when he's not off doing Jason things. This is the, the the sweater trick, the sweater maneuver. We call it the Ginny maneuver. Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> it is also key in the video game, which I love. Like, this is the grossest fucking thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, the idea of putting on this a, a, a filthy sweater covered in the dried blood of Jason's mother that's been sitting there for years. Trying maybe in vain to convince this lunatic that this is his mother speaking. This, this is one of my most favorite things is one of the most creative things that they've ever done in the franchise. Most of the time. I mean, how do you get the drop on Jason blind, stupid luck? This is Ginny using her schooling, her schooling, her education to trick Jason and fuck man. It's worked. And even, uh, Jason's reactions here, like the head tilts, is just so interesting. Which I always think of as little puppy head tilts. Yeah. Even when Michael Myers does them, they're like little puppy head tilts. Like, huh? What are you saying? You're talking to me? Yeah. Um, 
I, I do enjoy this despite the filth. Yeah. And despite the fact that you'd like to think it couldn't, couldn't possibly work. Could not possibly work. And seeing so many other movies try something like this where it doesn't fucking work, they get this tactic spit in their face. Mm-hmm. Or it works, but it comes across as cloying and unbelievable. Where this does actually work for us. Mm-hmm. It was nice that they got um, Betsy Palmer back to do the sequences that they did because the voiceover really helps. I love that. Oh, yeah, big time. I love that move to him blocking blocking the machete with the top of his pitchfork. Pitchfork. Uh, pickaxe. Yes, it is a pickaxe because he's sw- swapped up tools of the trade this time. Yeah. He probably uses the most weapons of all of the movies in this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I think it might be a close tie for um, Seven. Whatever he's fighting the woman with the telekinetic powers. Because in that movie, it's buck wild. He, he kills someone with a different weapon every single kill. Okay. okay. So, um, then it will come down to body count, really. Yeah, and, and then it's like one of the kills, he's, he, it's like a weed whacker with a circular saw on the end of it. I love this look on her face. Oh, I love yeah. the, the the look on her face in the scene just leading up to this. There's nothing fucking pretty about what she's doing. There's no, oh. and that's a part of the charm of all of this is that they're not looking to make a Hollywood sex pot blockbuster cheesecake sort of thing out of these women at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this yeah. is very down and dirty. I mean, she is filthy. She's in a disgusting sweater. Her hair is a mess. She, she's not like still manages to have perfect makeup. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and and even the 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 just this. There's so many layers of browns and blues and uh, yellows in all of these scenes. It's so beautiful to look at. I love this whole sequence. Honestly, yeah, me too. Me too. Even without sound, it's kind of giving me chills. You know. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just feel it's like just it so much. effective. Like they they pull the taffy on Ginny's mind games long enough with the inclusion of Betsy Palmer's voiceovers with image of Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Voorhees delivering her dialogue in the setting. This this horrible dank probably smells like an old outhouse shack in the middle of the woods. Um, and it's just and and the type of injury that Jason gets. The slow motion, just everything is just fucking fantastic. Uh, it's such a strong sequence in all of the films. Uh, this is one of the strongest sequences in the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. It truly is. It truly is. I'm sure other people have their favorites. Yeah, yeah, I, I am. And 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 believe me, I, I I'm I. Uh, there's definitely other Friday the Thirteenth movies that I think have amazing sequences in them. I'll, I'll definitely talk them up. As we get to get to them, I think this is probably the most emotional. So. Yeah, the most emotional. Like, and believe me, this is not like a, these two are like a, a couple that have been together for a while. This is not like some random dude bro hookup, and you know, and she's the one that took out Jason, and she's severely hurt. And I buy this, and I buy the previous sequence. Like, I buy you feel bad for Jason, you feel like it's a harrowing experience for Ginny, and it's just a. Uh, fantastic really exit huh here's a harrowing experience for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like we're just waiting now um (laughs) it's mean of us in a way 
<clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah. This, uh, um, Ginny with the, the pitchfork has become like a really iconic uh, shot. Anytime that anyone ever has a, a shot from this movie, it's always her like looking at the camera dead. Yeah. It, it's heart- it continues to be heartbreaking, all of this sequence. Um, from them hugging and him re- trying to reassure her and all of this, I tried to write a mashup of this when I was in about grade three or four, I guess, or five. Um, with this and the movie Trick or Treat, not the Trick or Treat we yeah, have the, now, the, but the, the old Trick or Treat. Yeah. Oh, it it's just that dumb dog. Which makes no fucking sense. I it's know. back from the dead. Is that what the forest around here does to people? Things? It's like, now that's Jason's dog. Yes, Jason, that dog's going to kill you. It's Muffin Voorhees. <laughs> Muffin Voorhees. Well, um, Muffin's done her, her job. Yeah, and by the way, it's like, Muffin's not anyone's... Th- Terry's dead. Boom. Yeah. This is where we get, like, a pretty clear look at what uh, Jason looks like. I mean, more uh, more of a clear look than uh, I think that anyone would have possibly imagined because they were really going for that taking off the mask and, and uh, oh, that's what he looks like, and you didn't think he was actually going to get it. But here it's like... Many, many frames of a, a very uh, deformed guy. He's got stubble and hair. And this doesn't uh, continue, right? Like, mm-hmm. Jason's always going to be clean shaven. No, well, he got self-conscious after all that. He's like, you know what? I've, I've been doing the beard thing long enough. I'm, I'm shaven. Maybe he just finally found a shaver in the woods. Like he, Like, he's like, listen, I can only have the things he has many sharp objects it's true and probably much time to sharpen all of his things because i've posited that before about jason too what does he do when he's not doing jason things sharpen stuff so we have uh, jenny taken away in the ambulance this whole sequence that whole sequence i guess is a fever dream as well can't be you can't just blame every instance of deformo jason on fever dreams Wes. (laughs) and i'd like to say that's not that can't be a fever dream you can't take this away from me because it to me, his deformation matches with the boy in the lake so well. The yeah. airy Jason and this Jason must be the same being. It's true. Well, credits. Well, credits. But all right, so it did happen. What happened to Paul? We don't know. And also, how did they get out of that situation? Paul just had a broken bit of a shovel as his weapon. Jenny got knocked out in the struggle, and Paul came after Jason, and Jason... Uh, killed him but he was injured to the point that he had to limp away mm-hmm. into the forest or maybe he could only carry one body at a time when he came back she'd crawled somewhere he couldn't find her it's true do you think that that um so we end this film with that close-up on mrs Voorhees's head and still the body pile and shit yeah. like that i wonder if the police ever found that body pile i guess if jenny's alive then they definitely would have but uh you know that or just a, a couple of kids 10 years later found it and made it their own little Spanky's whack shack. <laughs> it's or like they found, it's, they found Jason's porn. They thought it was a cool Halloween prank. Well, yeah. So that's that. So we made it all the way to the end of Friday the 13th Part 2. Um, when we join you guys next, we are, of course, going to be doing Friday the 13th Part 3. And I'm excited... Because it's the funkiest, the funkiest, most 3D fun 
that we can possibly have. It is the funkiest, most 3D fun. I wonder. I should dig up some 3D glasses. No need. I have them. Okay, good. Good job. (laughs) Good job. Of course you do. Of course you do. (laughs) Well, yeah. So there's no real news on this front, except for to tune into the most recent Vine Torture cast and enjoy this episode as the first episodes in the new Splatter Pictures Dead Air domicile. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I think it's I think it's good. And it's also, good. this is the month of Halloween. It is the busiest time of year for us. Um, I am pleased to announce that we are going to go, or I am going to be releasing episodes of Panels of Blood through the month of October. Excited! Yeah, so you guys can uh, sit back and listen to me read comic books of a horror variety to you guys. And I've been really looking forward to to returning to that. Um, and I thought it made sense for the month of October for us to do something for it. So, yeah, so you guys are going to get our two commentary track episodes plus um, Panels of Blood episodes and also um, possibly story stuff from you coming out. There will be story stuff around Halloween from the Wicked Library. And I haven't been too, too busy. I want to do some more typical books, especially since we'll have a lot more room in this place than I did at the previous place. But I will be a busy little peaver as I might have been tapped in on a teaching gig, which I'll get more into when it becomes solidified entirely because it's a whole brand new venture right now. But you might have to call me Professor Lydia. I already think of you as Professor Lydia because um, I feel like I get educated every time we have an episode together. Shit, I think of you as Professor West. <laughs> well, you know what? Fine. You and I will be co-professors. Co-professors. Co-professors, and we will teach a, a class on uh, watching horror movies real good. Sounds good to me. It also <laughs> sounds like there's a chainsaw outside. No, that's just Ginny fighting for her life. Oh, lovely. Perfect timing. <laughs> I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.